0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Christer Ungerbach about effective communication at home and in the workplace in the Compassion Revolution. Krister Underbach, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: I am happy to be here, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have the chance to chat with you today. Uh, we're going to be discussing the topic of effective communication and really the intersectionality of communication with effective leadership, uh, but not just leadership within organizations, also leadership in the home, uh, with, within a marriage, with, with our relationships with children, with family, friends. Um, I think there will be a lot of overlap in relation to the principles that we're discussing today, and I think effective communication is a universally desirable um, skill that everyone needs in order to be successful in their careers and in in life, and so uh, I think we'll have a really fun discussion. Uh, As we get started, I want to share Christer's bio with the listeners. Christer Ungerbach is a leadership communication expert, keynote speaker, and former CEO of a global tech company. His work has appeared in NPR, Forbes, Inc., HR.com, Chief Executive, Recruiter.com, and Entrepreneur. Prior to exiting corporate life at the age of 42, Christer was CEO of one of the largest family owned software companies in the world. While leading the company to over 3,000% growth, his team won. Consecutive top workplace awards, achieved remarkable employee engagement levels of 99.3%, and became a dominant player in its market niche. His book, 22 Talk Shifts Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life, helps people build better bosses and become one by shifting their words. So, again, uh, Christer, a real pleasure and opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And, uh, anything else you would like to add by way of background uh, or context before we really dive in?
1: Well, I think one of the things that most people are interesting to know that I did not learn these most profound communication insights while I was CEO of this global tech company. I actually learned them after I found myself at the YMCA while signing up for a gym membership. Uh, I was, uh, a woman was typing my responses into the gym membership application into her computer. And she asked me the question, who is your emergency contact? And I broke down crying. And in that moment, I had no one. I was a leader of a company and in the weeks leading up to that moment, I had initiated a painful business divorce with my business partners. And then, uh, so I walked out on the CEO job of the company that I had loved and helped build and and then two weeks later, my wife walked out on me. And there I was, I had started reading business books when I was 12 years old. And by the time I was 17 years old, I probably had read more business books than some people read in an entire lifetime. And I was sitting there and I was looking in the mirror and saying, here I am a leader with no followers. And what was I missing? And so I set aside the business books and I looked outside of the business world for three, almost four years. And I hung out with a lot of people that were kind of in the, you know, these relationship researchers, communication researchers, some of those, you know, new age, uh, new age people that I would have called, you know, woo woo, kind of weird people back when I was CEO. Uh, Today, I just call them people from California. (laughs) And, uh, and, but it was there that I really discovered these communication things that had eluded me all those years when I was CEO. And What I was really looking for, what what I was always, what I was doing as I was kind of going into all these strange workshops and experiences is what are the things that we can take from this world outside of the business world and apply it to create better leaders in business. And I started to see connections between the actual uh, relationship research and what makes great communications in families what makes great fathers, what great mothers, great husbands, and great wives. And I started to see connect dots that most people would say, well, what makes a great husband or father or mother or wife doesn't necessarily translate into the workplace. Uh, But that was really what this book, 22 Talk Shifts, was about. And so we started collecting data uh, about a year ago using this talk shift quiz uh, that people can get at talkshift.com quiz. And we started to see that we can predict with a reasonable degree of accuracy based on someone's assessment of their own communication, whether they have a frustrating relationship in their life. And so these talk shifts are really practical, simple recipes for, in many respects, creating emotional uh, engagement uh, or emotional connection uh, which ultimately leads to employee engagement, employee retention. I think that you know, having run a company that won five top workplace awards and had, you know, off the charts employee engagement, what I see is we weren't competing with other companies that were at the top of their game that had great culture, sorry, with bad cultures. We were competing for talent with other companies that had great cultures that were at the top, you know, 10, 25%. And how do we differentiate ourselves? Employee engagement is no longer enough, especially in 2020 with all of the kind of turmoil in the world. Companies that create emotional bonds with their employees are the ones that are going to retain those employees for the long term. because all it takes is one bad day, one bad interaction with your boss and people can, you know, all they can do is open up LinkedIn and they've already got some recruiters that have emails in their inbox, you know, about jobs. So, what is it that's going to have them close that window and say you know what i i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to start looking for another job because it's so easy to find a new job these days um well th- let's taking aside the fact that there aren't as many jobs available but because linkedin has taken the uh really shifted the power to employees especially the best employees which are the ones that we want to leave so right
0: and 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 to your point i mean you're you're talking about tech right so, yeah. obviously, it depends on the type of job. It depends on the industry. But with, with highly skilled um, people in STEM fields uh in tech, they're they're hard to find. And yeah. and so there's a lot of competition for that labor.
1: Now, I don't know if I necessarily would say I think the, the trend started in tech, but I don't know any CEOs or HR people who wouldn't say one of their top three challenges is finding and retaining talent. You know, I mean, it's definitely in STEM fields, it is exaggerated. Uh, but hopefully by taking it, the other thing is, the interesting thing is in STEM fields, emotional intelligence and creating emotional connection is also maybe an area where uh, it's most lacking because engineers tend to not, I, I'm an engineer, uh, and so engineers tend not to come naturally to emotional intelligence. And for me, a big part of this talk shifts was creating recipes for language recipes for creating emotional intelligence with people, uh, either as a leader or as a spouse or as a as a parent.
0: Yeah, that's that's great, and I, I appreciate the background you bring to this discussion today. Uh, both, you know, your your executive experience, your engineering experience, uh, and then moving it into a more practical approach to to sharing tips on how to effectively communicate, not just for the workplace, but also for um, effectiveness in our personal lives. Now, I suspect that most people have at least some sort of strained relationships in their life. Um, yeah, it, seems that, like, it seems like that's part of the human experience. But, you know, I took the, the uh, talk shifts assessment prior to our interview today, and it was, it was interesting. You know, it was, a, it was a good opportunity to self-reflect. It was a good opportunity to get a few insights into um, what I do and to also get a couple of reminders of like, oh, yeah, I really probably need to be careful about that or, or pay special attention to that as I'm communicating at work or at home or whatever. Um, so I really appreciate that assessment.
1: Well, one of the things that we're doing with the assessment is, is you notice that um, it asks you during the assessment, you know, who is the one or two people that you'd like to improve your communication with? And then based on your answers to that, we actually send you back sample chapters from the book that you can then share with that person. So let's say you say, I want to improve my communication with my boss. It'll say, well, go to talkshift.com 13 and read this sample chapter for free. But then you can actually share that with someone. Or if it's a husband or a wife, uh, the intention for talk shifts is what I hear when I would talk to these, I'd go to these woo woo, you know, often psychology kind of based, uh, workshops, and there were a lot of therapists, marriage therapists, and things like that at these in these circles, and they would tell me the things that wives would say, and I would say, well, what are the things that they say over and over and over again on your couch? And they would say things like, he only cares about his work, or he doesn't listen to me, or he doesn't accept my solutions, and over and over again, I kept finding myself saying, that's the same thing that employees often say about bosses, and so what if? the techniques like the communication techniques that create happier employees could also create happier wives. Right. I I, I don't know if I'm maybe, I don't think I'm alone in that I'm, you know, as men, we all want to kind of, how can we make our wives happy? (laughs) Uh, You know, but as leaders, as a CEO, I was always like, how can I make my employees happier? Right. Um, And so, yeah, I I really discovered,
0: I think most, most people, not everybody, but most people desire strong healthy relationships and and they it's stressful and it causes anxiety when when there's discord when there's dysfunction so whether that's at home with a partner or that's at work between a boss and their employee um you know i I think most people want to to be effective um, in their communication effective in their relationships and uh, it's the rare person that probably doesn't really care so much about that. Uh, and yeah. so, and so yeah, finding the tools to be you know, proactive about our own growth and improvement in those areas is, is really important.
1: Yeah. And I think there's another part that I find, like when I do keynotes, I'll often have someone come up to me for with a question afterwards and they'll say, I can't wait to practice this at work. And I say, well, what about at home? And they'll often say, well, I'm not sure if I feel safe yet you know, practicing at work. And often it's men, because as men, we often don't want to look bad practicing a new skill in front of our spouse or, you know, to a lesser degree, our children. So work is a safer place to practice. Interestingly, the next person walks up and it's a woman and she's like, I can't wait to practice this at home. And like, well, what about at work? Like, oh, I don't know if I really feel safe with my boss yet. And so part of this combining the two is giving people a place to practice. Because the reality is, is our wives and our children don't want us to practice on them anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, honey, why don't you go figure it out at work? And then when you're good at these communication things, then bring them back. And then, you know, yeah. so I think that that's part of the, you know, innovation, that when companies teach these skills to employees, it helps them to be happier employees or, you know, leaders who create happier employees. But it also gives a burning desire to actually practice the skills that doesn't necessarily come when you go to a, a workshop at school, uh, at school, a workshop at, um, at an office setting where it's just about, Hey, being a better employee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, definitely some um, good overlap in the different, areas of our lives, for sure. I know one of the things you talk about is the compassion revolution. Um, yes. Can you describe what you mean by that and, and why you think that's accelerating in the world of work?
1: So I was on a I was on a Zoom call on uh, April 20th. I coach CEOs and their executive teams. It's the one thing I do to kind of stay connected to what real leaders in business are doing. Um, I generally work with growth companies kind of in the 25 to 200 employee range, because that was the path that I walked as a CEO. And uh, and I was shocked that we were on this Zoom call, you know, still pretty early in the quarantine days. And uh, a young, like 10-year-old boy popped into the Zoom window and went like, you know, can I have a hug to the VP of operations? And everyone just softened. And I can recall asking myself, would this have been possible before you know, COVID and quarantine. And so Zoom is like, it's breaking down the walls between our personal and professional worlds. And it's inviting our leaders and coworkers into our lives in a way that, that never has happened before. I mean, I have leaders who were much like me, very aggressive, didn't really ask people about their family. And now they're recognizing that that's just a critical skill. Given what's happening today. So I admittedly, this book was delayed like two years because I kept rewriting it and trying to make it better. And honestly, I don't know if it would have landed nearly as well a year ago or even six months ago as it will today. Because these skills of the compassion revolution, you know, compassion is uh is one, it's not something that I would have ever searched on the internet, you know, it probably I wouldn't even today um, if I was still a CEO. But compassion is like the new emotional intelligence. Compassion is emotional intelligence plus action. And when I was writing the book, the intelli- my intention—I'm not a naturally empathetic person. In fact, uh, most somebody told me for the first time in my entire life that I was an emotionally intelligent person about a year ago, and I just laughed. I said, "Oh, you should talk to the people that I used to work with." But it came down to language—the language that makes great leaders in business also is the language that makes great leaders in the context of families. And that was really the secret sauce that I uh, helped me to become a better father Uh, helped me to recover my relationships with my family after that business divorce. So I was, I was CEO of a family owned software company. So my primary business partner was my father. Um, And, uh, and even with my former wife, uh, we have a great relationship. And so I uh I credit these talk shifts with with helping us to get there and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing them with the world.
0: Well, and I love that you talk about it, you frame it in terms of shifts, right? Cuz that implies um growth and it implies some sort of change and movement. Um mm-hmm. that we can't expect to just do things the same way we've always done them and produce different results. Um yeah. and so you know, something's amiss, something's not quite right in our relationships, whether that be your workplace, um, whether that be at home or, or with friends, um, and, and we need to make an adjustment. And a lot of times uh, we fall into negative thought patterns and we start to think about, you know, the reasons for the relationship not being as positive as it could be. And we, we tend, it's kind of human nature, to focus on what the other person's doing wrong. You know, things aren't right because they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. And certainly it's shared responsibility. And I'm sure the other person is doing things, you know, that aren't perfect either, but we can't control other people. We can control us. And if we start to frame it in terms of how we can shift our own behavior, our own actions, our own um, vocabulary and the way we communicate with those around us then we can start to see changes and perhaps what we do in taking that first step towards reconciliation or healing, uh, or, or, um, or mending fences can soften the other person. So then they're willing, more willing to, to start making the shifts necessary to have a nice reciprocal growth pattern within the relationship.
1: That's talk shift number 22, how to say <laughs> sorry less and apologize more. So yeah, it's a, I I really find, so I actually just came back from filming the video book, which I believe I agree. Most of us think that it's the other person's communication that's really the problem. And what the talk shift assessment is telling us pretty loud and clear that actually if I can predict whether you have a frustrating relationship based on your words, maybe that assumption is not entirely accurate. Right? So the, so the other thing is we wrote the book. So the reason I actually almost released the book October of last year uh, but I read it to my father because there were some really tough stories about him in that version of the book. And the interesting thing was going through the experience of reading the book and experiencing the book together was actually the turning point in our relationship. And so I wrote the, the we did the audiobook and the video book with a very specific purpose that teams or a husband and wife or even a family with adult children could watch it together. And some people will take away, hey, these are skills that are going to help me be better in, in, in my career. Uh, other people will take away skills to be better husband or wife. And, and many people will take away both. Uh, but the point there was, you know, if, if an if a unhappy wife, I mean, the, the research shows that uh, if divorces are started two times as frequently by uh, women than men. Um, and in fact, if the woman is college educated, it's like nine times more frequently. Uh, So the reality is, is that often the person who's frustrated in a, in a marital relationship or what I just call a partnership is is the spouse. And she say, Hey, honey, let's go to marriage counseling or whatever. And like, yeah, like most men are not really that excited. But if you say, Hey, let's read this book together that will help you to be a better leader at work. And Oh, by the way, it's also going to help us in our communication with the kids and with each other. It's really that kind of kill two birds with one stone. I, I jokingly say that Mary Poppins was like the inspiration for this book because she said a spoonful of sugar is what makes the medicine go down. (laughs) So if I had read, if my, you know, former wife had said, let's read a book about marriage, I would have been, yeah, I don't, I'm pretty busy at work, you know, but she says, Hey, let's read a book about how to be better leaders. She was a senior executive in a company herself. And, and it just so happened that tucked in there is also some things that we can practice. So I have not met anyone who has read this book either with a team member, like with a boss, or with a spouse, or with a child, an adult child, uh, who has not said, wow, we had some just incredible conversations about the words that we use with each other. And that's fundamentally the, when I say transforming leadership in business, in partnership, um, and i will also say partnership is more broadly. I think that, you know, I was in. if you're an entrepreneur or a senior executive and you got the golden handcuffs and you can't leave cause you got stock options or something like that, that starts to look like a lot like a partnership. Like I, the pain with leaving, if I've been with a company for a long time, or if I'm a co-owner in a company, the pain with leaving is pretty high. And so we need to have tools to figure it out. And that's really what I say, transforming leadership in business, in partnership, and in life. And that's kind of how uh, these kind of dots got connected.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Um, So many great insights, and we could go on and on and on. Uh, We're about out of time for today, um, but perhaps we can continue the discussion at another time, because I know there's a lot more we could discuss. Um, But before we part ways today, I do want to give you uh, a chance to give the last word and to also share with the listeners how they can get connected with you, find your book, um, and reach out to you if, if they are looking for ways to improve their communication skills in the workplace and at home.
1: So the simplest way to get started is go to talkshift.com slash quiz. Take the quiz. When you finish the quiz, you'll get free resources with chapters to the book that you can use to transform a specific relationship in your life. Um, and you'll also get opportunity to... Um, you can get, uh, an early version of the book. Uh, actually, it's the same version of the book, but you'll get an early preview before it's launched on Amazon on October 6th. Uh, and there's some offers to get, uh, a special discounted rate on the video book, which I hope that maybe we'll even see it on Amazon prime one day that you can just get it, uh, and watch it on your TV with your family. So.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Um, I hope listeners will reach out, get connected, check out the book, um, take the, the talk shifts qu- assessment and, and think critically, you know, think um, self-reflectively about your own relationships uh, and what you can do to start to make the shift happen uh, to improve your communication and improve those relationships. Thanks, yeah. everyone, for joining uh, us today. I hope everyone stays healthy and safe, that you find meaning and purpose at work and that everyone has a great week. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.